Okay, cool. We're live on LinkedIn, joined today by my best friend, best ever client, the one and only Barry Kerrigan. Amazing. Barry, what an introduction. <laughs> what an introduction. Thank you very much. It's well deserved. Um, yeah, give us a background on Kerrigan's then, and then we'll go into the e-commerce story shortly. Okay, so Kerrigan's will be 50 years in business in uh, 2023 so we're kind of making plans for being 50 years which is a big milestone as we know in um, a small little family business so yeah my father started a business back in 73 I'm second generation um, uh, butcher so I started in just I left school early I left school at 15 so went straight into the family business 1993 for a summer holiday and here I am 2021 still on that summer holiday experience it's just flown by so yeah we are independent craft butcher based in dublin we've got five locations and back in 2016 we ventured into e-commerce and it's been an absolute roller coaster since yeah that's Crazy. that's kerrigan's that's kerrigan's in 30 seconds let's talk about how you got into the e-commerce then because this must have been a massive transition coming from traditional brick and mortar retail um, going online. Why did you decide to do this? Like what was the angle that made you want to get in? Yeah, it was a big transition, especially for a perishable good. Obviously e-commerce is tricky enough as it is, but then you add in the extra element of, um, you know, perishable good and time sensitivity as another, you know, and then your packaging to make sure that your product is kept in the best possible condition. But, um, why did I do it? First of all, I had a big interest in technology. And second of all, I suppose we launched a a collection of products in our store called Fuse for Fitness. So pre pre um falling in love, I was our typical Irish lad, plenty of points, plenty of takeaways, overweight, carrying a few pounds, but I was quite happy. And What's, uh, <laughs> what's that? What's changed? What's changed right now? <laughs> I think it's the camera. <laughs> the camera puts ten pounds in, doesn't it? It must be, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, um, fell in love. We had a beautiful baby, Emily, and that kind of kickstarted my little fitness kind of um, journey, I suppose. So I, I was kind of developing stuff in the back of the shop. I was going to the gym. You're talking to people in the gym. He said, "Now, oh, what are you eating?" Because as we know, if you're training. 80% of it is your diet. You can train and train and train and you can't out-train a bad diet, I suppose. So you can train six times a week and if you're not eating well, you're never going to get the results you want. So from talking to people in the gym and they were kind of, everybody was on chicken, broccoli and rice. That was the kind of staple gym diet. Maybe some salmon thrown in, maybe some steamed uh, fish or whatever. But um, I kind of messed around with some like chicken and mince and chicken and mince and turkey and we ended up with a range of turkey burgers that people really, really enjoyed. Obviously, turkey is a very high-protein product. It's low in fat, and it takes any kind of flavor as well. So like most poultry, if you add any flavors, because it's quite a bland uh, protein, whatever flavors you throw in there, it absorbs the flavors quite well. So you can make beautiful products uh, from chicken and turkey. And that kind of started in the shop. People were coming in. You'd be handing them out free of charge to people you know or personal trainers or people you're, you, you kind of met in the gym and with massive reaction. And that kind of snowballed to more flavors and different products. And then we start going into fake away dishes. So 
we go to popular fakeaway dish and say, okay, chicken tikka masala is probably the number one dish yeah. in, in Ireland. So how can we make that kind of healthy and take out the cream? We put some yogurt in and, you know, very, very simple things like that. But, you know, and then we got to know a couple of people who had a big following in Ireland on social media and they started to, to post about it. And all of a sudden we had people from all around the country coming to our little shop in Malahide, like 410 square feet, tiny little shop. And people were traveling all around the country and they were filling their cars full of meat. And that was great. They were doing that for a couple of years. And then they would kind of say, listen, can you not deliver this to us? Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's how it kind of started. It wasn't like a five-year plan. It wasn't a three-month plan. It was just basically listen to your customers. Your customers will always tell you what you want. So if you're able to listen to your customers, because I am not a big believer of two-year plan, three-year plan, five-year plan, because as we've seen over the last 14 months, whatever plan you had in 2019 went out the window fairly quickly. So obviously we have to plan, but and being a small business, we can be very agile. Yep. You know, so listen to your customers. So that's what we did. We listened to our customers. They no longer wanted to travel to us. So we came up with um, Let's Deliver to Them and... Yeah, so we started our e-commerce journey back in 2016, and we are five years into it. And I can honestly say we're, you know, obviously we're we're doing a lot better now than we were back in 2016, but we still have a long way to go because e-commerce is so different to um, retail bricks and mortar, especially for a personal good, you know. Yeah, definitely. So it sounds like when you were in the gym, you got inspiration for the Foods for Fitness range. And then was it just a case of like people coming into the, the shop and speaking to you directly and you thought maybe there's an angle to create something specifically for these people? Yeah, it was more like me developing products than giving product there for free, like bringing stuff to the gym and going, try this, try this, let me know what you think and getting people's feedback. And I was like, would you actually buy this? Yeah. And they were going, yes, 100% because... And as I said, like it developed into a range of turkey burgers, which sounds quite simple, but, you know, they hit so many um, pain points for people. And, you know, business is all about take away people's pain. So they were, they were quick to cook. You didn't have any any kind of, you know, skills in the kitchen. They were hitting all your, your, your macronutrients kind of targets. So if you're chasing your protein or your calories, um, most of them, they're, they're all allergy-free. So gluten-free is a big thing in our in our in our shop gluten free and dairy free they're the two big allergies that most people would ask us about so it ticked those two boxes as well and um, you could batch cook them you can freeze them they were you know just they ticked every single box that you would want for training basically interesting so how different is the customer base at the moment it, because i've worked with you before and obviously online is very geared towards that fitness crowd who are the people that are coming into the store? And we'll come on to like how butchery is evolving in, in a minute. But is there like a clear divide between the people who used to come in the store before in this fitness crowd? Um, I suppose number one in store it would be families. Mm -hmm. um, we, like we do have we do have families coming to us online, but um yeah, number one in store is definitely families. Um so our, our ideal customer in the shop would be a uh, family, maybe two, three, four kids, not that too many families have four kids now, but two or three kids. And they will be our core number one customer because they will be, you know, cooking regularly at home and they will support the local businesses. 
um, which they still would have an element of you know the the fitness minded customer coming in, but in stores definitely geared towards families. But then you know we'd also have other kind of personas. We'd have um, men coming at the weekends who would like a big tomahawk steak. We'd have the barbecuers. We have you know uh, the slimming world people. There's loads of different kind of personas that come into the shop. If you ask me, what is our number one persona in our stores? It would be families. Very interesting. Let's come on a little bit then to um, butchery in general because, I mean, you probably know much more than me, but a lot of people say butchery is dying out, like a lot of the independent stores are closing. Well, you seem to have been able to thrive and obviously you've met the needs of the modern consumer and you've found innovative ways. Like what is going on with butchery at the moment? Why are some people being left behind? And what are the good butchers doing who are doing a great job and how are they innovating? Yeah, interesting question, I suppose. Um, and that's, you kind of answer the question within your question. So if you're not innovating, you're just going to go backwards. And I think, um, you know, obviously our trade is a very traditional trade. Um, and then we, we are kind of, I never see another independent butcher being competition for me. The more good quality independent butchers we have in the country, the better I think for our industry. So our main competition is against the multiples, the supermarkets. Yep. Yeah. And unfortunately, well, you know, I suppose going back through the recession and maybe over the last 18 months or so people are watching their pennies, they're going through the pandemic. They might see better value of going to Lidl or Aldi or, you know, and then, you can't just compete against these companies on price. So you have to be doing something different. And if butchers aren't doing something different and making their customers come to them for quality, innovative products, um, they're going to be left behind us. Unfortunately, there has been a good few butchers in Ireland. I'm not too sure what it's like over in the UK, but um, I think over the last two years, 120 independent butchers have closed the doors. And that's, again, that could be, you know, Butchers that might have been in their 50s or 60s and they didn't have anybody coming through and they didn't have a, a succession maybe in the family. But I think the good ones will be here forever, I think. Let's hope so. Yeah. Um, who's I'm guessing this is Juliana popping up. For some reason, her name always comes as LinkedIn user, but it, okay. it, it's definitely here if she's saying you'll never walk alone. We're going to get that horrible disgusting slogan off the uh, the screen very quickly <laughs> <laughs> she knows she knows the story um yeah that that's that's very interesting uh, but it sounds like the there must be a lot of education that you need to give to the consumers in store like you constantly trying to reiterate like how it ends up at kerrigan's and what the differences are compared to the supermarket is that an element as well of the service Oh, yeah. So we have a very simple, I suppose, ethos in our business is to um, source the best product we can in the island of Ireland. Um, we don't import any of our meat. Mm -hmm. um, we try and offer the best quality we can, but, you know, at a very fair price. We don't want to overprice ourselves. We want to give people the best quality at a fair price and then back that up with, you know, an insane appetite to offer the best customer service you can in a really, really clean environment. So they're the four kind of main things that we would, if you were to say to me, what is your company, um, you know, mission statements, that would be our mission statement is, you know, quality, 
a fair price, amazing customer service, knowledgeable staff in a really, really clean environment. So and once you're consistent doing that, I think you know word of mouth is so important for, for retail. Yep. Word, yeah. word of mouth marketing is, you know, we wouldn't have the budget of of, of the big supermarkets that we'd be putting, you know, big ads in newspapers or on radio. So and I say to all my staff, it's you know, if one customer goes home today and tells their friends they had a good experience with us, that's that's you know, that's the name of the game for us. Definitely. So it's, you know, it's obviously it's, a very different walks and strategy as well, offline and retail compared to online. Like, have you ever found, because I've, I've spoke to you a lot about this, like it's overwhelming trying to um, gain momentum in the e-commerce side, because like you said, it's so different. Mm. Oh, it's so different. Like, I mean, never, it's very rarely you build up a relationship with a customer online where in store you, you can get that personal interaction, you build up a relationship, you get to know, you know, the customers and primarily it's, you know, it's still female. I'd say I don't have the stats, but it's a very high percentage of females that would shop with us. We get to know her, you get to know her husband because he might come in once or twice. You get to know their kids' names and you have that relationship where online it's a totally, you don't have that relationship. So that's, that's what we're trying to break down in our email kind of, in our, all our marketing communication is how, how can we get to know our online customer better the same way we do in store. And what are you doing to try to do that? Yeah, so what are we doing trying to do that? It's a constant learning curve, I suppose. It's um, asking them what they need for us. Uh, one thing I've started this year is I've done a dedicated newsletter from me to, to my core group of online customers. And it's like, it's nothing fancy. It's just a very, very simple email. No, it's just like purely text only. Um coming from me as if you're standing there in front of me in the shop. I don't know how effective it's going to be, but um, I don't know how effective that is going to be, but um, that's my strategy for this year. Just once a month, you're going to get an email from me about me, what's going on in my personal life, what's going on in Kerrigan's behind the scenes, new products that we're working on, the kind of stuff that I would talk to you if you were standing in front of me in the shop. So, yeah, let's yeah. let's see how effective that is. It's going to be no nice graphics. It's going to be no fancy tricks in the email. It's going to be purely a conversational piece. No, it, it, it's very effective. And, you know, we we we've tried to become a very visual um, service as well, but you can never beat going back to the basics. Like we were talking about on the call, if you are willing to put that face to the brands, then you should definitely use it and just have a one-to-one -one conversation with the customers. And that's definitely something that's been lost online in the last few years because everyone's been so heavily focused on acquisition that they've just stopped talking to the customers and trying to build relationships with them. So, yeah. Yeah, and as I said, like it is a lot harder to do online. But um, And then I've also made a point of we're going to, and we started back in January, is phone 10 customers per week. Nice. And just, yeah, it sounds nice, but lots of people don't want to talk to you. It's funny. They're like, oh, yeah, I'll bring you back. Or, you know, you caught me at a bad time. So, um, but something that I want to do is just, you know, ring somebody. And it might be a customer that's a really good customer and they've been shopping regularly. It might be a customer that has, I haven't seen online in two or three months and try and find out what was their pain points. You know, did we do something? You know, did something happen while they're not going to shop with us anymore? But um, so it's an ongoing experiment, I suppose. 
Yeah, definitely put inside as frequently as possible. That's something we've been experimenting with for a few clients recently is just going in from support. If someone's about to churn or if the data shows that they've stopped buying, just literally just ask them, why have you stopped buying? Like what went wrong? How can we improve the service? And yeah, unfortunately, a lot of people are ignoring that. And, you know, we've been guilty of just saying if someone falls out of this 90 day purchase cycle or whatever it is just forget about them but those customers have actually got a lot to tell us because i mean they did buy at one point and then they've stopped mm -hmm. so find out why and then use that as a feedback loop exactly if you can find out why then you can fix it you know absolutely let's talk a little bit about <clears throat> excuse me um especially I suppose for, for younger generations, a lot of people are turning away from meat. Not as many, I think, as being made out, you know, in the media, um, but there is definitely a minority of people. I've seen, you know, you brought out the, the oat bean burgers in the last year. Um, is this gonna be a focus for you? And do you think other butcheries will need to like evolve and offer products like this? Or is this just something that you're experimenting with? Um, I think again, it's listening to the customer. So, um pre-code i suppose it was definitely more conversation around me free and we had those movies or those documentaries on netflix that people kind of can relate to and there has been a big push um from i suppose the, the vegan community in getting their side of the story across but for me it's just listening to the customers and what was happening all you could see on the ground is you know, people are coming in and they were saying i'm still eating meat my husband's still eating meat but my son and my daughter has watched this program and now, um, so I was saying to myself, well, you have to have an option for this customer. Yeah. So we're kind yeah. of, okay, obviously we are a craft butchers, that's where we're fundamentally are, but I just see myself more as a food, a food company, a fresh food company. So if that is primarily 90% of my, my sales would be from meat, if it's 10% is, is a non-meat product, if, you know, we also sell, um, we also sell like sides, we sell potatoes, we sell potato gratin, which are, are good sellers. We sell chips, we sell everything that, you know, is a good wholesome meal. So yes, we are a butchers, but when I think of Kerrigan's, I would say we're a fresh food company. So is it something that we're going to plan part of our future? Definitely. Um, I don't think it's going to be a massive, a massive, massive revenue stream for us. I, you know, reading a bit about it, I might get to five, eight percent of the population might be non-meat non eaters. But I think, again, that comes around to an education piece. People might feel like they're going to save the planet by not eating as much meat. But in reality, if they're eating local meat that's, you know, sourced properly, has less air miles, um, and, you know, and you have a good, a good balanced diet where you're eating red meat, you're eating white meat, you're eating fish, you have none non-meat days that's what's all about i don't think by not eating meat you're going to save the planet i think it's all about local seasonal food i i completely this by any means but i do think it's it's not the one-sided narrative that you've seen a lot of people make out uh, what do you think about concepts like regenerative agriculture yeah no it's, it's definitely something that's going to be you know, it's all about getting that carbon footprint down. So and we, anything we can do in our farming practices that can help us get our carbon footprint down is has to be looked at. And there's a huge movement in that in, in Ireland because we're, as a country, Ireland, like we, we rely so much on our um, exportation of animals. Like 95% of the 
of the yams that we produce in this country are exported. So if we can have that quality food and then back it up saying we are carbon neutral or whatever, it's going to be another USP and it's definitely part of the future for sure. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, like we have, you know, the French go mad. I know the French don't like Britain too much at the moment, but French go mad for, for Irish, Irish lamb, especially Irish beef. Uh, the Chinese go mad for Irish beef all across um, Asia, you know, Dubai, huge amount of Irish beef over there. So we have a very good name throughout the world for, for producing really, really amazing food. Definitely, and even markets, yeah, you have a lot of Irish produce still, and it's not as though, um, you know, British produce is anything to be snuffed out. We've got high quality meats here as well, but you still see, don't you, that like, premium badge on a lot of the foods, like Irish quality lamb, yeah, like, beef, yeah. Yeah, British food is amazing as well, and, you know, very similar in, in the farming, it's just that agriculture is such a huge export, it's, I think it's one of the biggest, you know, exporters of Ireland, where... Obviously, the UK wouldn't rely so much on exporting of um, of animals, so that's why it's so important to our country. Let me ask you, actually, because I remember the first time we started working together, you told me um, like a lot of the chicken breasts in Ireland are imported from the Netherlands. Yes, these are sold at supermarkets and. What you've just told me, obviously, is ninety five percent of Irish produce is exported, so. Is this just purely like a cost-saving exercise for these supermarkets? Yeah, no, it's it's not really this. It's more kind of food service. So the likes of your restaurants, your your takeaways, all those obviously all those places um, are important. They're they're just buying the cheapest produce they can to make as much money as they can, basically. Yeah. So it is very few. Like you go into any restaurant in Ireland, it will say our beef is a hundred percent Irish, but I can probably name on one hand to many of them say our chicken is 100% Irish. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I would say 90, over 90% of the food service in Ireland is selling imported chicken, which is crazy. It is crazy, especially it's, it's sad as well, like you said, because the quality locally is so high. So to have yeah. to unnecessarily get that carbon footprint up from um, important it's it's just sad it doesn't make sense really when you think about it well no but then you, if you speak to somebody in hospitality they'll have loads of reasons where you know loads yeah. of ex- reasons why they're doing that it's, it's all about marriage it's all about price it's well, it seems crazy like, you know they might be saving 20 cents on a chicken fillet yeah. you know yeah. seems crazy but if i had my own restaurant i wouldn't be doing it Numbers game, isn't it? I suppose it's volume. I actually re- remember uh, one of my good friends, he used to be a chef. Uh, really good pub, actually, around the, the corner from me where I live. Um, and the steaks sold for £14, but he told me they were batch, like buy like the worst quality for a pound a piece. Um, and yeah, they all came frozen and obviously they defrost them and then just like slapped them on the grill. But huge markup and they're really bad quality foods, but it seems like, yeah, they're just going for margin. Yeah, well, that's why you're paying the chefs big money is for their skills to get cheap food to taste good. Yeah. You know? Sad. 
So what are some of the core differences then? I know we, we've chatted about it a little bit, but yeah. there's, there's definitely some challenges, right? Like you said, in terms of delivery, um, can you elaborate on them a little bit more? Yeah, so the core difference is, um, as I was saying, we don't get to know our e-commerce customer or online customer as well as our in-store customer. And then it's much harder to get the product to that customer um, on time, intact, and the e-com online customer has definitely a higher expectation of the delivery. So you can imagine you come into the shop and for whatever reason you have you know, your bag on home and you put it back in your kitchen counter and one of the trays is, you know, it got damaged the way home. It's no big deal. I've never got a phone call from a retail customer saying, I'm after getting home and the packaging is damaged. It's never yeah. happened yeah. in 50 years. It's never happened. But it happens once or twice a week with our online customers where they they received a box it might have been damaged in delivery somewhere it might be only in fairness like sometimes it is it is damaged and you hold your hands up you just say listen i'm going to replace it it's no problem but it might be like a, a really really minute bit of damage being done to to the tray or to the packaging and you know they're quite they're quite annoyed by it so it's a different mindset between a retail customer and the online customer so just goes to show you how much we have to invest in our um the delivery and the whole unboxing experience has to be yeah, so, yeah. so much more effort that goes into delivering a box to an online customer than the handing um a bag over the counter maybe like the environments that you don't get the chance to build rapport as strongly because you don't know them whereas when you're in the store um and i know this myself you know if i go to see the butcher i'm not going to complain like about a small dent because i don't want to give them a headache but when you're online you almost feel obliged to complain. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a it's an Irish mentality or a UK thing as well. But Irish people love to give out online. They fucking love it. I think every country now don't like <laughs> behind the mask. Mm -hmm. But in France now we we get lots of we look at gets a lots of positive reviews. So what's the, it's the it's the complaints that make us don't sleep at night. You know, you could get a hundred five star reviews and you go to bed, but you don't even think about it. But you get one one star review where you're like you're lying awake and I go how can I fix this you know so yeah maybe it's just the bad ones that kind of you remember more than the good ones yeah but at least you've got the right mentality to fix that because it is interesting isn't it the psychology when I look for something online and I think most people do the same I actually will look for the bad reviews because sometimes yeah. so many five stars I wouldn't know what went wrong before I bought buy something I'm the exact same. If I'm looking at a hotel, you see X amount of five yeah. stars. You go, this one star, this is the truth. What happened to this person? Yeah. Yeah. It is very, it's very true. Yeah. So they definitely hurt you for sure. How has the transition been from WooCommerce to Shopify? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you've experienced me on both, on both WooCommerce and Shopify. So uh, it's, it's, it's night and day, night and day. It's a pleasure to be on Shopify compared to WooCommerce. Do you miss and, anything about uh, you? What's that? Do you miss anything about it? No, I'm sure because I suppose because I had so many different add-ons on WooCommerce and I was looking for lots of you know lots of um, development work and even all those add-ons they're not well supported on WooCommerce. Where like Shopify, you know, if you send you know I had a problem with one of the, the um, one of the apps there recently and they're on it like a light. Yeah, you know yeah. the customer service on any of the applications that we have plugged into our Shopify store. Customer service is insane compared to um, 
the apps that you would connect it into WooCommerce. So yeah, really have to be on Shopify. It's a little bit more expensive, obviously, to to run when you add in all the apps, but for the peace of mind, for the speed, for the checkout, it's um yeah, now it's suiting our it's not, it's not the perfect fit for us. We're still having issues with some bundles. It's not like the it's not like the holy grail, you know. Yeah. But like compared to what I experienced on WooCommerce to what I'm experiencing on Shopify, it's night and day. And yeah, I'm happy where I am at the moment. I'm not thinking like, oh, what's the next? You know, I'm, I'm saying to myself, Shopify for life, really. Because yeah. migra- yeah. migration is no fun either. Migrating your store from, yeah. from, from any platform to another platform is absolutely zero crack. And I will not be doing it again in a hurry. I remember... I think it was like 2019, was it, when we were going through the Black Friday stuff and it, we were on WooCommerce with you and we were so worried, like the site was just yeah. going to break and we were going to miss out on all those deals. I know. So, so stressful. I remember actually going to my nan's and I and I went upstairs and I was thinking, fuck, I better check if this site's not broken because we were, we were doing a lot of emails at the time. <laughs> but luckily yeah. it just about stayed upright. It stayed up alright, yeah, it did just about, but um, yeah, it definitely has some cracks in. But like, that's a learning curve as well because when you're a small business, you kind of everything's all about how much will this cost me. So you're saying, right, how much will it cost me to get online, and to get online to get a WordPress website and you know put WooCommerce inside it, it's it's a very cheap kind of investment. So yeah. if you're, you know, if you're saying, right, I've got a budget of five brands, it's a great way to go online, test the market. Is it going to drive you bananas? Yes. Is it going to give you loads of grey hairs? Yes. But, you know, that's part of the journey, I suppose. Definitely. I suppose, like, ultimately, you, you're buying money back now from saving so much time because there's so many engineering headaches before with WooCommerce. Yeah, and I, I know, that I'm sure there's plenty of companies across the world that are doing big numbers on on WooCommerce, they just probably didn't have the amount of apps and development work that I had on my side. So I'm sure it works for plenty of people. This one wasn't, yeah. working, for, wasn't working for me anyway. So now delighted to be on Shopify, delighted to be on Clavio. And I like all the apps I have now. Um, everything seems to be working properly and you get the odd little thing that kind of doesn't sync for some reason. But um, I don't wake up anymore going, oh, the website is down or this is broke or that's yeah. broken and yeah so definitely definitely yeah in a better place at the moment so if we quickly so, run over like some of the core uh, software that you're using i know you got obviously clavio um <clears throat> smile.io as well right use that for the the loyalty setup yeah i'm big into loyalty in retail and online and smile has definitely um been really good for us we have a huge we have a huge uh, open rate for our smile emails as opposed to our, our, our regular non-smile customers or our main database. So definitely the smile customers are our little community of Kerrigans and they, they are our brand advocates. And yeah, I think people appreciate like, you know, collecting points and getting free delivery and getting money after shopping. I know I would if I was a customer, I'd appreciate it. So I always kind of put myself into... Uh, the customer's point of view. And there's not too many stores that I shop at that actually give you loyalty points. Well, you've really put a lot of effort into that community, haven't you? Like, you genuinely haven't just created, 
like a generic bullshit loyalty program you actually do give those customers priority don't they like they get first dibs on offers and things like that yeah 100 percent. and um it's one of the you know it's one of the benefits i think of being in like there's no point having a club or a program if it doesn't give you x benefits you know so yeah i think it's important to and again it's trying to cross that barrier of online and in store you know so that's i think that's helped me kind of get to know our customers better and get to know them that we appreciate them spending their hard-earned cash with kerrigans yeah yeah absolutely, absolutely. like you said you've just put the effort into it haven't you and invest in actually building it up otherwise um I, I do see a lot of stores where they're just having it the loyalty program for the sake of it but they're not actually investing into those relationships with the customers so it just goes back to basics yeah and uh, customers now if you're not engaging with customers they kind of yeah after a while they just lose interest you know absolutely so what are the best sellers at carrigans at the moment then in store and online um in store online we're still famous for our turkey burgers we launched a new flavor there recently we have a new flavor coming out and in store depending on the time of year we're just coming into barbecue season, so and I know you're a big fan of the old Wagyu. Yeah. So um, yeah, Wagyu burgers, all that kind of a, all that kind of barbecue range is really starting to take off now. But like in store, still the fundamentals are our top sellers. You know, um, mince chicken fillets are our top sellers, and again, it's just about being consistent with them making sure when anytime you buy one of our top setters it's going to be a good experience and it's going to be um what you and your family need so yeah, it's interesting though how the how the trends kind of evolve i'm really looking forward to the summer because you know our our politicians are telling us to stay at home this year and outdoors out, it's going to be all about outdoors in 2021 so it's going to be interesting. Hail, rain, or shine, shine, we have to be, go outdoors according to our politicians. So it's going to be well, an interesting well, summer. We, we know what the world's like in this part of the world. So it's going to be rain, rain, and a little bit of sun. But um, yeah, hopefully, you know, the weather gods are on our side and we can get out a little bit and it's a good year for you. Yeah, hopefully. Or it's going to be lots of um, what we say Irish barbecues. It was just holding an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> somebody has the umbrella and somebody has. And the tongs, and that's that's an Irish barbecue. So, what's the best steak then for a barbecue? Uh, best steak for a barbecue, to be honest with you, I wouldn't put a steak on a barbecue unless I have like um, like a like a pan. So then we used you put a, anything on a barbecue. Obviously, it's over direct heat, and all the juices kind of flow down the barbecue. So, if I'm cooking a steak on a barbecue, I have like a cast iron grill that mm-hmm. I put onto a pan, um. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have it too hot. I want to kind of get it smoke, that smoky flavor in there as well. So I'd probably have it around 180 degrees on the um, thermometer. So you're getting enough heat to give you that nice crust, but it's still giving you plenty of smoke for that smoky flavor. So that's how I would cook a steak on a barbecue um, on an actual grill on a cast iron um, pan. Beautiful. Yes. For more for me, like barbecue is more like um slow cooking. So like you know, your bellies of pork, your pork ribs, yeah, yeah, um, short ribs, your bristles of beef, all those things for me belong on the barbecue. Um I know we're mad for burgers and sausages on the barbecue as well, they can be tasty, but yeah, for me steak that still belongs on a on a pan. 
Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. You just want to keep that juice inside it. I'm actually yeah. so hungry. I'm salivating at the moment. There's nothing worse than when you're cooking something. You can see all the kind of, and we know uh, fat is flavor. So you're cooking something on the barbecue and you can just see all the, the fat kind of going into your flames. You go, oh no, that's my flavor. You can see the flames jumping up because they're loving that fat. You're like, that yeah, should be my yeah. belly. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite trick is actually to like reset. I know obviously not necessarily with steak, but if we're making a roast on the Sunday, I'll use the juices to um, cook in the potatoes. So whether it's like a pork belly or um, usually pork, to be honest, or lamb, then I'll use all the juices and recycle them and, and cook the potatoes in them. Yeah, and I've seen some of your dishes. You're not a bad old chef, I'm pronounced it. I'm coming for a job, mate. <laughs> Get me over there in that character. Yeah. I tell you, we work well together. I'll be downstairs selling, you'll be upstairs e-commerce <laughs> in the way. It could be a formidable team. Yeah, I'll be I'll be straight over there. Next flight as soon as things open up. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff, Barry. Well, thanks very much for your time. Um, you're gonna create a discount code for anyone who wants to try the produce on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'll tell you what we do, we'll stick it in a magnet monster newsletter every Thursday. There we go. Every Thursday, 10 o'clock is or 11 o'clock. Um, you get those nuggets, those golden nuggets from Adam Kitchen. Um, but discount codes are dead. They're dead in the water, aren't they? they? Well, mate, when the quality is as good as Kerrigan's, you don't need any discounts. You just need to buy the quality. No, you just need to get into that rewards club and we look after you in there. But um, I think I think discount codes across e-commerce, they've had their day, I think. you know. I know some... We all like a little discount here and there, but I think, and I know you mentioned loads of times before, if you're a company that relies on discounts for sales, there's no there's no longevity there. No, there's no real, I don't think there's a value proposition unless you're like a huge marketplace where you're obviously competing on price, but otherwise um, the brand story is, is much more important in how you engage the community. Yeah, so when you're doing your little trip around Ireland, I will hook you up and... You'll be well fed. There you go. I'm looking forward to it, mate. Uh, Barry, thanks very much for your time. Uh, if anyone's got any questions on anything to do with food, then uh, please post them or Barry's business, of course. And I'm sure he'll get back to you. I'll tag you in this post. But we're going to end things here. And thank you once again. Adam, it was a pleasure. Great to see you again. And I will see you soon. Cheers, mate.